I can't preach after that. There's something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. Hey guys, we got some family from Qatar, Nigeria, and Uganda with us today. What's up, online? Welcome in. Hey everybody, especially if you're with us for the first time, welcome to Victory, where we believe that this is a place and a people where God is beginning the emancipation of his greatness in our midst. And here's what we believe that God has set us on this journey of, that for too long, too many of God's people have lived too low for too long. And we're beginning in this journey of what God has put in us, our great God has put greatness in us, and we're allowing him to take what he put in us and get it out of us. That's the big idea of this journey that we're on. And this is the final week of our series. Okay, but here's the deal, here's the deal. This is what we've been saying all along. This is more than a message, this is a movement. This is not just a series, this really is a journey that we're embarking on that is gonna shape our course forward. Why? Because in the beginning, Genesis 1:27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. This is called the Imago Day that we are made in the image of God, that God breathed on dirt, put his fingerprint on us, that God has put his own unique gifts, callings, abilities, talents, passions, dreams on the inside of every single one of us, that you, yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because the next verse, Genesis 1:28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it and reign. Everybody say reign. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And you probably have those two verses memorized by now. You've been tracking with us, all right, throughout the course of this series. But that's on purpose because this is called original intent. This is God's idea in the very beginning. This is why God created us. This is what God created us to do. That God in his own dream, and his own greatness, decided to create humanity, put his image inside of them, gift them with himself so we could walk in purity and relationship, dwell with him, and he dwell with us. Then we could lock arms with God, go out, rule the earth, spread out across all the nations so that the nations that would would be filled with the glory of God like the waters cover the seas. That's the big idea from the very beginning. And when sin comes in in Genesis 3 and chaos comes into the world, the good news is God didn't abandon the world, but God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus didn't just come to forgive. He came so that we could live. And Jesus came to get us back into the image of God and the mission of God so that now once again, we can shine his glory, lock arms with God, full of the Holy Spirit, go out into this world to rule and reign as kings in this life to show his glory to this world. That is our job and that's our privilege. And what we talked about last week was this, is this big idea, Genesis 1.28, that really we're not waiting until then, but really Genesis 1.28 is gonna find a huge expression next year of being fruitful and multiplying. I believe that you're gonna see people get saved in your life. Your family's gonna have a turnaround. I believe a miraculous things are gonna happen in your neighborhood, your workplace. I believe you're gonna start that business, step out, do that new thing. Your gifts are gonna come alive, Genesis 1.28. But if we're gonna be fruitful and multiply and reproduce next year, then we're going to Genesis 127, get healthy this year. That's the big idea that we're going to do the hard work of health, that we're going to pray that God would take a sledgehammer, a pickaxe and break up the hard ground and our hearts that some of you guys, you're going to get free this year. Those health, those destructive life cycles are going to get broken because if we're going to reproduce next year, we want to reproduce healthy. And so we're spending this year getting healthy. This is the journey that God has us on. Why? Because he's emancipating his greatness. It's not ours. He's emancipating his greatness in our midst. And this whole time, for months and months and months, I've had this one quote ping, pinballing around in my brain. And when I think of this one quote, this is what I would just say, this is emancipating greatness in a nutshell. It's from St. Irenaeus. It was in the, the second century. It's one of the early church fathers. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is mankind fully alive. That the way that we glorify God isn't just going to church on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. The way we glorify God is to become who he said and who he purchased that we would be. 
to be everything that he's called you to be, to let what he put in you get out of you, to be fully alive in Jesus Christ. This is the big idea, guys. This is God's will for your life, that you would be fully alive in Jesus Christ. All right, but as we're going on this journey, there's one more pit stop that we have to take. There's one more thing that we have to get down. There's one more lesson we have to learn before we can really start running on this thing. And you know where it's found? Genesis, you should know that by now, because this is original intent. Genesis 2, 18, God says this. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I know we hear this as a marriage statement, because it is, but it's bigger than that. That word for man is the Hebrew word Adam. Okay, and that word Adam, obviously that's where we get Adam and Eve, but the Hebrew word Adam does mean man, but it also means mankind. And what God is saying here, he's saying it's not good for people to be alone. Come on, hear this today. God says, I didn't create you to be alone. He says, I created people to walk together. I created people to lock arms and to walk together. Hear this today. You were not created to be isolated. We were not created to be, to be isolated. We were created to experience emancipating greatness, God's emancipation of his greatness in us in the context of community. John Wesley, one of the early revivalists in America, he said this. He says, there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. There's, you, you, will, you scour the New Testament. You cannot find an example of a solitary Christian living the life that God has called him to live. So let's just say this together. I was created for community. Come on, online, I was created for community. Come on, together, now, th th this is literally illustrating what's wrong with America right now. I'm saying it and then you're saying something different. Together, one, two, three. I was created for community. I was, we were. This message, what we're talking about today, it's never been more needed than it is right now. Come on, somebody, we live in the same world, don't we? Right, we've never lived in a time that's more isolated more self-preserve, everybody's thinking, protect myself, protect myself, everybody's the enemy, right? This hyper-offended, hyper-partisan lines, hyper-every-man-for-himself, like that's the society that we live in. And the truth is this, we've never needed each other more than we do right now at a time when we're more isolated than we've ever been. We need each other, come on, I need you, you need me. So on this journey of emancipating greatness, what we're gonna have to do, we're gonna have to find God's strength and lean into God's grace to enter into community, all right? Because, because this, this whole thing is a journey that we're on, but it was never meant to be a solo journey. We're meant to run this race together. We're meant to, hear me when I say this, we are meant to be a community of God's greatness a community of God's greatness. So if we're actually gonna become a community of God's greatness, here's the first thing that we have to learn. We have to learn that we were meant and created to rule together, to rule together. Now, I know that that sounds weird. Okay, rule together. Here, here, here's, here's what I mean by when I say this. I'm gonna take you back to a verse. You know where it is? Genesis. All right, we just read it a minute ago. Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and, and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That word rain right there is really important. Let's just kind of dissect that word for a second. The, in, in Hebrew, the word rain, which is the language of Genesis, Hebrew is rada. Got rada. I can't roll my R's because I'm Scotch-Irish, but for those of you who are Spanish or Hebrew, you can do that. Um, rada. Uh, and it means to rule, have dominion, or dominate. It actually means to tread upon, like to walk on top, on top of. So God says to Adam and Eve, he says, you need to reign, you need to have dominion. When you, when you pull that, that word apart a little bit more, that verb apart, when you conjugate it, okay? That word conjugate right there, it's, it's, a, it's an imperative in, the, in context here in 128, which means it's a command. God commands them to do it. Also, it's plural. So I'm gonna put it into Southern language. Y'all ready? Okay. Maybe that'll help us in Atlanta understand this. What God is saying is, I command y'all to have dominion. <laughs> That's what he's saying. He's not saying Adam rule. He's saying y'all, you all, everybody. I have called humanity to have dominion. I've called uh, humanity to tread upon this earth, to rule this earth. And so as we, as we look at this, I wanna read it one more time. And I want you to notice what's said here and what's not said here, Genesis 128. God says, rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. 
Humanity is called to rule over the world. What's the one thing that humanity is not called to rule over? People. People. We are called to rule together, but we were never called to rule each other. Hear me when I say that. We were given authority from God to rule together, but we were never given authority from God to rule other people. But as soon as sin entered into the human heart, power got polluted and it got corrupted. And instead of trying to rule together, we started trying to exalt ourselves over other people to rule other people. This is where slavery came from. This is where racism still comes from. This is where abusive husbands come from. This is power trips. This is bad bosses. Come on, somebody. Because when power gets polluted, here's, here's how the world views it. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And it's, it's a zero-sum game is what it's called. Basically, there's only 100 units of power in the whole world. So in order for me to have more power, you have to have less. And so I, instead of us locking arms and ruling together, now I have to consolidate all the power to myself and lord it over you. A friend of ours uh, who's a worship pastor, um, uh, something, something happened in his last job and the pastor came in, he fired him, and then he said this. He said, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call all, all the pastors I know and I'm gonna make sure you never lead worship ever again. And when I heard that, when, it, when my friend told me that, first I had to unchamber the round, take the clip out and just <laughs> back, back away for a second. But I, th I thought to myself, I was like, who do you think you are, right? You're not God. You don't control his calling. You don't control his destiny. You don't have the final say over his life. Who do you think you are? You don't, come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, there is leadership, but there's a difference in leadership and lordship. And too many people who have authority have confused those two, those things. And so maybe you're here today because a pastor in your life had polluted power and tried to lord it over you. I'm, I'm sorry, but listen, I'm not your God and you're not my God. We're called to rule together, right? Come on. See, some, some of y'all are like, I, I don't even struggle with this because I'm not a boss. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, you're talking about people with titles. I don't got a business card. Bro, I'm just trying to get a job. Like, you offering something today? Like, I, I, I have no position. I can't. Here's the thing, though. Anytime we try to make others feel less to make ourselves feel more, we have now assumed a position of ruling, not over the world, but over people. And we need to repent of that. Because listen, in the kingdom... God's power is multiplicative. Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. God gives the authority away. God gives the power away. Listen, there's not 100 units of power in the kingdom. But when, when, when sin enters into it, I think for me to have more, you have to have less. And so a family, I try and flex up. In a friendship, I try and flex up. In a workplace, I try and flex up. Because if I'm gonna be powerful, that means you can't be powerful. Instead of just locking arms. Listen, we're called to lock arms together, not lock horns together like animals and try and win. This is the big idea of what God has called us to. But when we lock arms together, God's blessing comes upon that. This is how God created this whole thing to operate, that when we lock arms together, there's an exponential blessing that comes upon unity. All right, you don't believe me. It's even present in the animal kingdom. Let's look at it. So uh, here, here's, the, here's the number. Geese flying in formation increase their range by approximately 70%, right? Because, the, because there's a lift that happens when they fly together and they take turns being first. They're not fighting to be first. They take turns because there's a lift that happens. Let's, let's look at another animal, horses. So the strongest horse in the world can pull about 4,500 pounds. Two horses can pull 12,000 pounds. Four horses can pull 30,000 pounds. There's a multiplicative power. There's a multiplicative blessing that comes upon it when they enter into partnership. Let's look at people. So people, it says that actually when, when two people come into agreement, that they're 65% more likely to accomplish their goal. But if they actually establish a partnership, meaning locking arms and we're going to do it together, they're 90% more likely to actually accomplish what they set out to accomplish than one person trying to do it by themselves. Why? Because God's blessing comes upon partnership. This is the big idea. Come on, somebody. Um, Batman was better with Robin. 
Jordan was better with Pippen. LeBron needs everybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Brady's better with Gronk. You can hate all day. I hate it, but it's true. I don't want to see that Super Bowl, but come on, somebody. God's baseline for greatness has always been two or more. Come on. Moses was better with Aaron. Joshua was better with Caleb. David was better with Jonathan. Paul was better with Silas. Peter was better with John, right? Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, but you bring God into the equation, it's even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And for too long, we've tried to be like these Lone Ranger Christians, all right? And let me just tell you this. You can try and be a Christian by yourself, but you will never fully experience the emancipation of God's greatness in your life when you're trying to do it solo. You were made to do it solo. You were made to lock arms and do it together. And we have to, let me say this, we have to grow to the place where we delight in declaring our dependence on our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to grow, because like, we live in an independent society. But you understand our faith was not born in an independent society. And so we have to swim against the stream in our independent society to rejoice in the fact that we were made to do life together. We were made to lock arms and rule together. Here's what uh, Charles Swindoll says about it, Chuck Swindoll. He says, nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody is a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. But take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. You guessed it. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you to make this thing called life work. We have to lean in and we have to support. We have to relate and respond and give and take and confess and forgive and reach out and embrace. Listen, since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, super capable, all-powerful hotshot, let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without our playing that silly role. The game's over, let's link up. Let's link up because we are better together, because we're called to rule together. So here's the question. If Jesus in the New Testament always sent out two by two, who's your two? Who's your two? And if you don't have that person, today's the day to start finding that person, because we are made to rule together. So if we're gonna become a community of God's greatness, we have to learn that we, have, we were created to rule together. Second thing is this, we have to learn that we are called to affirm one another. We have to affirm one another. You know, uh, Adam's first words to Eve in, 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 in the garden were, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that was not just like Garden of Eden player talk. You know what I'm saying? There's only two of them. It's, it's pretty, I mean, this is gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? No, what he was saying is you are, you are strong where I am strong. You are weak where I am weak. Like we're, you're like me. And he was affirming over her life that every single one of us needs affirmation and every single one of us is meant to give affirmation. We were meant to give and to receive affirmation. Let me give you my definition of affirmation. Affirmation is taking the purposeful initiative to call out and agree with the greatness God has put in someone. Come on, affirmation is taking the purposeful initiative to call out and agree with the greatness God has put in someone. Affirmation is taking the purposeful initiative to say, I see this in you and I'm not just letting it stay dormant, I'm calling it out. I'm letting you know that God has put something on the inside of you and it's time to get it out of you. That's affirmation. We were meant to receive that. Ladies, you ever been having a bad day and a good friend walks up and is like, you look so beautiful today, and I love being around you, and in fact, whenever you're around, everything gets better. And you're like, huh, <laughs> I guess so, I mean. <laughs> right? Your boss walks in and is like, hey, you killed that presentation. That was awesome, you were so good at this. There is a gift inside of you. I wanna give you more opportunities to do that because you're so amazing at it, right? There's this thing that comes, come on, fellas, like your wife says, hey, 
I so appreciate you. You are such a good provider for our family. You're such an amazing father. I don't know where our family would be without you. You're like, <laughs> right? I stand up next to a mountain, chop it down with the edge of my hand, you know? Like I come alive, right? Because it's like, you know what it is? It's like Proverbs 25, 11. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. It's like, another translation says it's like choice apples and settings of silver. Like it's, it's just right. It lifts you up. It makes you feel better than you did five seconds ago, right? It's an affirmation. It's like, it's like life to, to weary bones. It gives you a second wind. We were made to give and to receive affirmation. And let me tell you, you will never know the impact that you have on somebody's life when you reach into their life, you call it out, you acknowledge what God has put in there, and you call it out to be a person of blessing. You will never know the impact you have in people's life. A few weeks ago, we defined greatness as this. Greatness is living confident in who God made me to be using the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me, all right? And one of the best ways to step into that sort of life, to know who God made you to be and to use the unique gifts he put in me for his glory around me, one of the best ways to do that is when the people that you've partnered with affirm that in your life. They say, hey, I believe that God made you like this. I see this on your life. I call that out. I wanna partner with you as you start to live that out and let's live it out together, right? Like that is affirming. That is the life that we're made to live, to be people of blessing over and over again. And in the, in the scriptures, you find parents blessing their children. Parents, you need to bless your children. Jewish culture, they still do this on Sabbath, on Friday nights. The fathers, especially if there's a father in the house, he will bless his children. He said, God put this in you and you're gonna do this with your life and I bless you as your dad. Can you imagine getting that every week? Right, we're, we're meant to be that. Jesus blessed his disciples, right? He affirmed them. He said, hey, I'm gonna put the spirit of God inside you and then you're actually gonna go do greater works than I did. And you better believe that when hell broke out against the disciples, they looked back on what Jesus had said and said, well, Jesus said we could do it. We're just gonna have to keep on doing it then, right? Paul spoke to his spiritual son, Timothy, and said, Timothy, I know you're young, but I'm calling you to leave. I'm calling you to lead. I'm calling you to rise up. I'm calling you to be who you don't even think that you could be. He says this, uh, 1 Timothy 1.18. So Timothy, my son, my spiritual son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping, listen, with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience. In other words, as a spiritual father, Paul's telling his spiritual son, Timothy, hey, remember all those things we prayed over you? Remember all those things that we called out of you? Remember all those things we affirmed in your life, that you're called to do this and you're gifted to that, you're about to enter into a season where you need to form all those words that were spoken over you into a weapon because you're about to go into a fight and everything around you is gonna say, you're not called to this, you're not old enough, you're not mature enough and you need to remember what God has said about your life. Because if not, people will try and steal it from you. I believe this, I believe that I would not be who I am or where I am without the people that God put in my life to affirm it. Without my parents, without Summer in my life calling me higher. I remember early on in, <laughs> in marriage, she said, hey, I think, you know, God told me when, we're, when, we're, when I was young, told her when she was young that she, you know, she's gonna be in full-time ministry. And I was like, that's awesome for you. I, I'm gonna love watching you do that. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be great for you, right? But something happens when you partner. Right? I, I don't think we'd be here without our first small group leader saying, hey, you can lead. And we're like, without the fusion pastor at that time, Nathan Camp, 15 plus years ago, saying, hey, Johnson, God's called you to this. Without Pastor Dennis um, calling it out in my life, saying, hey, you're called to this. I don't believe I'd stand here. Because why? Because I didn't see it in myself, but they saw something in me that I didn't even know was in me. You need people in your life who see things in you that you don't even know is you. Right? And listen, you need to be somebody who calls out in others what they don't see in themselves. Right? A, a few weeks ago, I, I, you know, I've talked about this before, but I'm going through my master's program, and what I may not have said is it's a cohort. So it's like 15 mega church pastors. These are like some of the 15 like, greatest leaders, the best preachers in the country, and we're in a preaching class. So like two weeks ago, 
uh, we all had to preach in front of each other <laughs> in this little room, and it's so intimidating. But I, I mean, the, all these guys that I look up to preaching, and, and bo- after I preached one by one by one by one, they affirmed God's gift and my life. And you better believe I was taking those, those, those words and putting them like in my affirmation quiver, right? In my affirmation vault. Because you need to hold on to those words. I'm telling you, because life will try and steal those words. The enemy will try and steal those words. You have no clue how much your words of blessing today will mean to somebody tomorrow or in a year from now, or 10 years from now. I, I remember when, when, when I first stepped in, uh, Summer and I did as the young adult pastors here, the outgoing pastor, Nathan Camp, he came to me and he said, hey, what did, what did Pastor Dennis say when he interviewed you? He, I said, well, he said that God said, I'm the guy. He said, hold on to that. Hold on to that, because about tomorrow, everything around you is gonna say you're not the guy. It's gonna try and steal the word that God gave you. It's gonna try and be those, wor- those birds who come in and steal those words off the path. You gotta let those words get deep down into your soul because people are gonna try and steal your calling. The enemy's gonna try and steal your calling. Life is gonna try and steal your calling. Offense is gonna try and steal your calling. Woundedness is try- gonna try and steal your calling. Hurt feelings is gonna try and steal your calling. Everything's gonna try and say, you're not good at that. You're not called to do that. God doesn't love you. God's not for you. And you have to go back. Like Paul told Timothy, you have to hold on to the word words that were spoken over your life. God has called me to do this. Don't let a pastor ever tell you, I'm going to make sure you never lead worship in this town again. Don't give them the keys to your life like that. Don't give me my permission to be your God. There's only one God over your life. Believe what he says and let everybody else be a liar. Has God called you to it? Has God gifted you to do it? Then do it and be somebody who affirms it in the world around you. Because listen, guys, there's enough toxicity because we have an enemy who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to steal your calling. He wants to rob your gifts. He wants to condemn you in your heart. When you lay in bed tonight, God's gonna say, oh, that was a lie. You're not called to that. That is going to happen tonight. And so you're gonna have to believe. You're gonna have to hold on like an anchor in the middle of the storm. What God has said about your life, what God has said who you are, and what the friends, the ones who have partnered around you in Christ have said about your life. A while back, we did, we did a, um, a gifts assessment here, and uh, um, I re- we were, then we had to read it aloud to, like, a, a team, and that, that's, it's one thing to take a gifts assessment. It's another to, like, tell people, hey, this is what this thing says I'm good at, because what are they going to say? <laughs> really? <laughs> but I remember Pastor Avery here, one, one of our friends, um, I read my gifts, what it said was my gifts, and he said, oh, I don't want to do any of that. He said, but you're amazing at it, and it's totally you. I love that about you. And then he read his, and I was like, ugh, I don't wanna do any of that. But it's totally you, and you're amazing at it. Why? 1 Corinthians 12, 4. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. And this is why we need each other, because I have my gifts and you have your gifts. I don't have your gifts and you don't have my gifts. But we shouldn't all be the same. In fact, at 1 Corinthians 12, it goes on to say, we're all different parts of the body, right? We're all different parts of the body of Christ. But when we come together, something amazing can happen, right? But what do you call a body where part of it isn't functioning? Handicapped, disabled. And that's what the church is today. Listen to me, especially online. The church is handicapped. The body of Christ is handicapped because too many are saying, I can do it on my own. What happens if the arm says, I can do it on my own? Well, one, the arm's gonna die. It's gonna shrivel up. And then you're gonna be left with a body without an arm. The body will go on, but it'll be wounded. And today we have a wounded church full of dead body parts out in the world because people have separated themselves out. We're not called to do that. Mother Teresa says this, I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot, but together. Come on, somebody, together. 
One more time. Come on. Together, we can do great things. I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot. That's awesome, because together, we can do great things. I don't need to be good at what you're good at, right? Why? Because you're good at it. And you don't need to be good at what I'm good at. Why? Because I'm good at it. But together, when we come together, we can do great things. I'm seeing this happen here in the church, at the staff, the pastors here on this team. They're so much better than I am. I have no problem saying that, because they are. It's true. Here's the question. I mean, here's the point. Or else, why are they on staff? If I just try and hire everybody who I'm better than, (laughs) what does that say about me? I want people who are better than me here, right? At their giftings. Right, And then as as I look out here at the leaders here and as I look out at you, listen, you are so much better at so many things than I am. You are better small group leaders than I ever was. You're better department leaders here in serving than I ever was. You have different ministry gifts than I do. You're, You're better entrepreneurs. You're better at art. You better believe that many of you are better at singing than I am. Listen, if I tried to have that gift, you wouldn't be here. You come one time, we're like, oh, it's one of those churches, right? Where the pastor preaches and tries to sing. <laughs> Been to those before, <laughs> right? But it's okay, because listen, I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot. But together, together, we can do great things. If, we, if I don't try and control you, and you don't try and control me, I'm not your God, but we lock arms together. I'm not trying to outdo you. Listen, Summer, she's so much better at me than so many things. Like her heart for God, the way she hears from God, the way she cares for people, she's so much better at me. I get jealous sometimes, but here's the deal. Jealousy accomplishes nothing except for making me feel inferior or superior. If I try and copy her gifts, don't try and copy anybody's gifts. Find out who God made you to be, and then the glory of God is man fully alive. Letting that out. Because listen, I'm good at some stuff and you're good at some stuff, but when we come together, we're the body of Christ and we can do great things. And I believe that, oh, again, over this next year, you're gonna see some of that stuff start coming alive on the inside of you. And so let me, let me just say this, okay? Ladies, for way too long, I'm, I'm not talking about Victor, I'm talking about the capital C church, the church of Jesus. For way too long, there has been a toxic church culture for women, okay? And it's been a lid upon your life and said, well, you can have gifts, but keep them down here. And in fact, you can't really do them in the church. You gotta go and do them over there, okay? This next year, I believe God's gonna start taking that lid off. God's gonna start taking that lid off. And the greatness that he put inside you is gonna start getting emancipated. Men, fellas, listen. I believe that too many of us have been lulled to sleep by the nine to five. And we're tired, we're worn out, just trying to put food on the table. I believe that God's gonna start awakening those dreams that he put on the inside us, those callings, those gifts. And I believe that over this next year, you're gonna see an emancipation of the greatness that God put in you. And here's what God is calling us to do. Listen, to be people of blessing, to be people who affirm. You wanna know why? Because it costs you zero to bless people. It costs you zero to be a person who affirms people. Come on, it costs you nothing. It costs me nothing to say, you're amazing. Listen, in and of ourselves, we are nothing, have nothing, can do nothing, but I see God's greatness on the inside of you. God put this inside you. God put this inside you. God called you to that. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, that's amazing. I praise God for that gift. It costs you nothing to be a person of blessing. And so husbands, bless your wives. Wives, bless your husbands. Bosses, bless your employees. Leaders, bless those that you lead. Come on, look at him and say, actually pray and say, God, what are you saying about this person? Wow, I see this in you. God, give me eyes to see your greatness that you put, the Mago day that you put inside people. Wow, I see this, that God put this on the inside of you. Has anybody ever told you this before? Wow, I think, goodness, I think you actually might be called to this. Do you, has God ever told you that before? To affirm it, to see it, and then celebrate it and call it out. Don't let it lie dormant in there. Call it out. Because if we're actually gonna be a community of God's greatness, we're gonna have to lock arms and we're gonna have to rule together. We're gonna have to affirm each other. And the third thing is this, at some point, you're gonna have to get out of the boat. At some point, you're gonna have to get out of the boat. All right, we all know this, Jesus went around teaching. (laughs) That's one of the things he did, right? And uh, after he was done teaching one time, he went to pray and he had the disciples press out. And so the disciples pressed out, they were in the boat, they're out there uh, in in the middle of the the Sea of Galilee. And in Matthew 14, 25, here's what it says. They catch up at about four o'clock in the morning, okay? There's the storm is whipped up, they're rowing, four o'clock. Nobody wants to be rowing at four o'clock in the morning. 
Who wants to be rowing at four o'clock in the morning? All right, and this is the story. If you're not familiar with church, right, is that this is like Jesus walking on the water. So Jesus walks out at four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> right? Come on, come on, church people. You already know where the story's going. You're already scared. You don't even listen. Like, I go ahead and get to it here. Come on, four o'clock in the morning? Jesus is walking on the water. This is how I know this isn't like a man-made story. Because if I was writing the story, I'd be like, and the disciples were like, hello, Jesus, you are the son of God. Come to save us from our sins. We've been waiting for you. Here's a sandwich, right? <laughs> Jesus walks out four o'clock in the morning. When the disciples saw him, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus is like, hey, guys, no, this, isn't, this isn't a TV show. Don't freak out. It's not paranormal life. Be brave. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm here. And Peter shouted out, Lord, if it is really you, then have me join you on the water. What? Jesus is like, all right, if you got faith for it, come on. And Peter steps out of the boat and he began to walk towards Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. And he says, save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, what little faith you have. Why would you let doubt win? Why would you let doubt win? Come on, personalize it. Why would I let doubt win? Come on online. Why would I let doubt win? See, everybody loves to knock Peter, right? Everybody's like, oh, Peter, you have little faith. Okay, I want you to notice something real quick. Peter walked on water. <laughs> the easiest thing in the world to do is to sit in the boat and criticize everybody who's getting out of it. Easiest thing in the world is to be the critic. This is that old President Teddy Roosevelt quote, right? The easiest thing in the world is to be the critic, but the critic gets no respect. Who gets the respect is the gladiator in the arena who actually stepped foot onto the battlefield. And the easiest thing in the world is to sit back and say, oh, look at that guy. He only walked on water for like three minutes. When you're like sitting in the boat, ain't doing nothing. And what God is saying today is it's time to start getting out of the boat. Because let me ask you a question. How many, how many times has Jesus said, come and join me, but you watch someone else step out when you should have? How many times? How many times, somebody? How many times? How many times? Oh, you should do this. Oh, you need to go talk to that person about Jesus. Oh, you're, you need to actually take, go for that promotion. Oh, you need to quit your job. You need to go, oh, ask her on a date. And you sit back in the safety of the boat, and you're like, I don't know about that. But everybody else is going and doing the things that are impossible because what's impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter could never walk on the water in his own giftings, but when Jesus said he could do it, he could do it. I want you to hear me when I said that. Thomas didn't jump out of the boat. John didn't jump out of the boat. These guys, why? Because Jesus didn't say they could do it. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, you can do it. And Peter believed what Jesus said. And when he stopped believing it is when he started sinking. But listen, when Peter was believing, he was, and he could do what Jesus said he could do, he could do what was impossible. What is God calling you to do that's impossible? Because at the end of the day, there are two sides to this whole community, right, of greatness thing. We have to be people who affirm God's gift in other people. But the other side is this. You gotta get out of the boat. Listen, how can people affirm you if they don't know you? You just about, oh, woe is me. Nobody knows I'm such a good singer. You're right. Because you're singing Mariah in the shower. Chris, all I want for, woo, Like, nobody knows that. Nobody knows that. You got to get out of the boat. How can people affirm you if they don't know you? How, until you put pen to paper, how can anybody affirm the fact that you're an author? Until you pick up the paintbrush, how can anybody affirm that you're an artist? Until you start singing where people can hear you, how can anybody affirm that gift? If you don't step into leadership, how can anybody affirm that gift? If you, if you don't try and launch the business, how can anybody affirm that gift? 
Come on, if you don't share your desires and your dreams and what God's called you to do, how can anybody affirm that gift? How can anybody know you if you're not in small group? If you never actually let the things out of you, how can anybody affirm that? You'll never know what happens until you get out of the boat. Come on, you'll never know what happens until you get out of the boat. And God today, he's calling us to step out. Step out, leave the safety of the shore. Leave the safety of the boat. Because if he said you can do it, you better believe you can do it. With God's greatness in you, you'd be like a little mouse riding on the back of a big elephant. Come on. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And here's one of the problems, though. People often want community, but they don't want accountability. Let me say it again. People often want community, but they don't want accountability, right? What they want is this. They want to say, I affirm you. You're awesome. You're great. You're worth it. But they don't want anybody to call them higher. So let me, let, let me redefine accountability for you really quick. Accountability is not like, hey, you said you'd read your Bible, you jerk. <laughs> right? Hey, did you look at porn again today? Like, that's our idea of accountability. It's really low-level stuff. Accountability is really this, is this. It's saying, I love you enough to hold you accountable to be who God created you to be. Come on, somebody. You said you were gonna lead, I'm holding you accountable to lead. You said you were gonna write the book, I'm holding you accountable to write the book. You said you were gonna step out and take the art lesson, I'm holding you accountable to take the art lesson. You said you were gonna start getting healthy in that area, I'm holding you accountable to get healthy in that area. You said you were gonna start letting your gift out, I'm holding you accountable to get that gift out. You said you were gonna talk to your neighbor about Jesus, I'm holding you accountable to talk to your neighbor about Jesus. I'm holding you accountable to actually live a life worthy of the calling you've received to begin letting the greatness that God put in in you, get out of you. I love you enough to not let you hide. Love you enough to not let you hide. Francis Chan said this, and then we're going to close. It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. And today God is saying, it's time to get out of the place of safety. It's time to get out of the place of safety. It's time to start risking again because God wants you to start showing up as the you he created you to be. So today, I'm calling us up to be a community of God's greatness, to be a church of God's greatness, locking arms, not to rule over each other, but locking arms to rule with each other, to walk with each other, to affirm God's grace and God's goodness on the people around you. And then at some point to start taking these steps to get out of the place of safety and hiding, Ben, to start letting what's in you get out into the world around you. And so today, we have two immediate options to do that. Okay, we have two immediate options to do that. First thing is this, you need to be involved in a community, in a community. You need to get involved in small groups, okay? This is your spot. Listen, when I say this, this is your spot to stop just attending church and start being part of the church. This is your spot to actually be part of the family. I'm gonna especially say it to you online. I know in the room, we're not immune to this because you can just walk in and walk out. And then what happens is this. You know what happens is this. Listen, I've been doing this thing long enough. Then we complain, it's just too big. Anybody, y'all know anybody who came here and said, oh, it's just too big, and they left? Listen, it's only too big if you don't know anybody. And you only don't know anybody if you haven't taken the initiative to know someone. Listen, if you're here and you've been coming for like six months and you don't know anybody, I'm, I love you, but it's your fault. It's your fault. Because we have opportunities for you to step into community. So take a step, take a step, be willing to be known. Enter into relationship, find your two, two by two. Find your two, find somebody you can partner with, find somebody who you can affirm God's greatness in them and they can affirm it in you. Find them. Some of you even, you've been, you've been a Christian long enough, you need to be leading by now. Ooh, no, that's a whole different sermon. You need to be leading by now. You have the opportunity to do that, to create community. We're a, a community of greatness, all right? You can do that. Um, second, second opportunity is this, is serving. Is serving, okay? You can serve in the world around you every single day, but we also have opportunities here. Let me say it like this. We are missing out because you're not using your gifts. We, 
Not like victory. Listen, we are missing out because you're not using your gifts. Let me also say this. Some of you are already on a serving team here and we're missing out because you're not using your gifts. Because you, listen, I appreciate the heart, but you, you signed up to help in a place where we needed help. I appreciate that, but I don't need you someplace where you're bad at it. Can I say that? We need you someplace where you love it, where you're gifted at it. Because when you're gifted at it, it's not a have to, it's a get to, right? And so you need to take, like do some, if I, if I um, had any place where I would serve personally, this is just me because of how I'm wired, I would be on new here. Okay, new here, new here's the team where we welcome people in for the first time, right? And we give building tours, we have conversations, we meet kids, walk people over into children's ministry, that sort of stuff, because I love the idea of making a house a home. All right, but maybe you, you love imparting into the next generation. Get involved in Victory Kids. Maybe some of you like, it, like love the idea of being a part of making this happen. Get, men, get on the ushers. I'll tell you, you, you can go to that page right there. It, the, it, somewhere towards the bottom, I'm just gonna say this, you have the opportunity to get involved in worship. All right, they're gonna do evaluations, be a part of the worship team on all our platforms. Maybe not this one, but on all of our platforms. We also have the opportunity for kids. Okay, because we believe that God has put worship gifts, music gifts in our children. Okay, starting at like age 10, we actually start offering something for that. But let me say this. This is for if you're gifted. (laughs) It's not for if you want to be gifted. I really wish I was gifted, (laughs) right? Okay, are you gifted? Has anybody called that out? Or you just know, like, I'd like to maybe just talk with somebody. Like, what could I do with this gift that God put on the inside of me? You have the opportunity. Go, go to those pages, community and serving, and you have the opportunity to start taking steps. Because here's what's important. Uh, let me just say this, okay, and right before we pray. I have people pretty much every week, they'll come out into the lobby and they'll say, Pastor, when you said this, I'm, mm, I'm gonna go do that. And then I never see you ever again. And I don't know if you did it, Listen, I, I, somebody came up to me after the last service. I said, this is awesome, but I might see you seven days from now. Who else are you gonna tell this to? Who are you gonna tell this to that can hold you accountable? Not in a way of putting you down, but to lock arms with you and say, hey, I love you enough to not let you hide, let's go. And so she walked right over and signed up for a small group. Some of us, we need to stop, stop saying, I'm going to. One day I'm going to, one day I'm going to. No, today. Today, take the step. Start being known, enter into affirming relationships with each other, lock arms, and take baby steps to get out of the boat and to be everything that God called you to be, to emancipate his greatness in your life and in the world around you for the glory of God and for our good, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, let's pray, let's pray. God, you are so good to us. We love you so much. God, every time I'm here, and I know we all experience this from time to time, there's just this, who am I? Like, like who am I? Because of who I am, what I've done. Like, you know, scripture's really clear. We are like dust. We're like flowers of the field, here one day and gone the next. Yet you still love us. Yet you still bless us. Yet you still smile over our lives. Yet you still loved your creation so much that you gave us Jesus. And because of Jesus, life goes from black and white to color. Life goes from death to life, to being born again. And God, it is my prayer that we would live out this this prayer of uh, St. Arrhenius, that the glory of God is man fully alive. And as we spent the last few weeks talking about this, God, I pray it really would set our course moving forward, that you would put this spark on the inside of every single one of us. It says, I wanna be fully alive. And God, I believe that you're you're helping us to embark on this journey, God, that there's gonna be so much healing, so much freedom, so many chains broken over the near future. God, I get excited in my heart about it. We wanna be fully alive in Christ. And I thank you right now for this family, God, for this church family that we don't have to do it alone, but we can lock arms and we can do it together. So right now, I bless this family in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for salvation that's found in your name and a fresh start and a new journey and the restoration of the image and the mission in our lives. 
Thank you for this future that you have for us. But I, I believe that there are, there are some here in this room and online who are still kind of standing at the door. You're still kind of like at home base, <laughs> home plate, and you're, you're just kind of standing right there. And, and I believe that, that today, that God is inviting you to walk through that door of faith. And that door itself, his name is Jesus. And the way we come into this family, the way we step into this journey, the way we can actually start living life to the fullest and be fully alive is in Christ. Because the reality is we have an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And the way through that door is through faith in Jesus, not in ourselves. And so today, if you just feel that calling, if God's saying, hey, you need to step out of safety, you need to step out of your, your ways because they're leading nowhere, and you need to come to faith in God, I wanna invite you here and at home to raise your hand. Say, that's me. God's calling me to a fresh start today. God's calling me to a new beginning in Jesus today. That's awesome, that's so good. You can put your hands down. I love that, and here's what we're gonna do. We're not just gonna leave there. We're gonna pray a prayer together. All right, and the family of God uh, in this room and everybody who raised their hand or should have, we're gonna pray this together. Let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to not leave me alone, but to come and to die for me, to pay the price for my sin so I could be free and I could come alive. So right now, I leave my path the wrong direction, my sin and my shame I leave it to go your way. I put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. You are my king and you are my savior. And I'll live the rest of my life for you. Cause me to come alive. Bring me into the family of God. I am forgiven and I am free in Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord. This is, this is a sign of surrender. This is for every single one of us. God, we're not holding anything back. We're not holding our plans. We're not holding our sins. God, we're holding it up to you. And God, would I pray even right now with our open hands, God, that your anointing, your blessing, your presence, your fullness would come upon your people here and online. God, that you, you're, 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 you would begin truly to cause these seeds that you planted on the inside of us, God, to begin sprouting and coming alive in a healthy way over this next season. God, I get so excited about what you're about to do in this church family. We embrace your will and your plans, and we wanna see your kingdom come and your will being done here on earth as it is for in heaven, all for the glory of Jesus and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' matchless name. And everybody said, Amen and amen, amen. Hey, let's give God praise for everybody who just came to the Lord today. Amen.